Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. All right, this is episode two of Trinity French, back from her honeymoon cruise. So you got that right. Am I looking a little more tan than normal? You look wonderful. Thank you. You look wonderful. That came up last week when Bill subbed for you at B&I, and he got your last name right. So there's a little mini oh, round of applause. Oh, good. Yay. <laughs> and I am officially in the process of changing my name on everything, oh, which... I do not envy you. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, because I have multiple businesses mm-hmm. and all of my formal documents and passport and ID, and I am just like, ugh. Your Facebook page is French, but LinkedIn is Gregor, or do I yeah, have the other I way haven't, around? Yeah, I haven't, yeah, and I'm in the process of changing everything, uh, so. We're not going to do hyphenated Gregor French? I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. It's just too confusing. It is, that's a lot, so. Yeah. Anyways, glad to have you back. Thank you. This, so this is episode two of Trinity being back. Uh, we ask you if you will rate, review, and subscribe, so you can follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms. We are growing, but we always need help. Like any small business, we ask for help, as you should with your small business, to help us grow our numbers and grow our reach so we can get clients and we can help more people and hopefully we can get it back to you. Today's show, the 10 habits that separate a leader from a boss. Oh, yeah. And there's a big difference. There is. So the definition of a boss a person in charge of a worker or organization. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't sound too exciting. Yeah. Cut and dry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what about a leader? Mm. What is leadership? Leadership, Mike. Leadership is the art of motivating a group of people to act towards achieving a common goal. Leaders have the skills to make others want to follow their direction. It's one of those I won't equate it to pornography when they say I can't explain it but I know when I see it people know a leader they'll see somebody with a title oh there's the VP look out but they know a leader because they'll gravitate to that side of the room where the leader is absolutely and that is the kind of boss that most of us strive and want to be is to move from being a boss to being a leader. And leadership is something that I truly believe can be learned. It is something that um, some people innately have more um, leadership abilities that they're born with, but it is something that can be honed. It can be sharpened. You can pick up that saw. You can make it sharper. You can learn leadership um, characteristics. And that is what we're going to help all of our avid listeners with today is how to become and be a better leader. There are a couple of ways to do this. You could do it by motivating people as they run out the door, the standard morning meeting, and you motivate everybody and they run out the door like, man, I'm going to go sell $10,000 today. Or you can lead by example. And the best two scenarios I can give you is my brother and I used to own a commercial cleaning company. And I was best leading when I was cleaning with our with our folks. It would not be good for me to say, hey, you need to go uh, clean up that vomit in the bathroom. I need to get on my hands and knees with them to clean it up. That showed them leadership. Trinity has signs when she is listing a house. 
Now, if you remember from a couple episodes ago, Scott Sams with Dynamic Print Solutions puts those signs out. But if Scott never existed and no company did that, Trinity's lead by example with her team was, hey, we're going to meet out there. We're all going to dig the hole, put the sign in, and make sure it looks great. Is you being there with them, sweating, hands on the shovel. And it's like you did the, uh, was it a couple months ago, I think, before Christmas, you did the Habitat for Humanity? I did. Right. You put on the yeah. boots, you get the work gloves on, you grab the hammer, you, you so you right can lead by example. Trenches. Exactly. Yes. So there's a couple ways to do that. I am a firm believer in leading by example. Um, do as I say. I mean, do as I do, not, not as, as I, I say, say yeah. which I think people should do both, what I say and what I do. Fair point, yeah. But I would not argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are a lot of habits that separate a great leader from a boss. I think back to the best boss I ever had, which was the first boss that I ever had. Yeah. Her name is Elaine Dibner. Shout Hello, out to Elaine. Elaine Dibner out there. When I worked at Northwestern Mutual, I was just this little spring chicken early on in my career, just a little fledgling. And she plucked me from working the reception desk at Northwestern Mutual after two weeks of grueling. <laughs> um, being the receptionist, the director of first impressions, was mm -hmm. a job that did not require a whole lot of skill. It was pretty, you know, checklist oriented. And I was able to do that job with my eyes closed. She quickly realized that I was um, overperforming in that role. And when a next role came available, she encouraged me to take that role, which was to train all of the new agents that were coming on board. So all of the new financial advisors. And the best way I can describe Elaine is that she gave me the freedom to make mistakes. And she also gave me free reign to be creative and to come up with things and ideas, and she never squashed them. She just let me fly. Mm -hmm. And I could not have thanked her enough for the type of leader that she was because she she was so confident in her role and that she'd picked the right person that she didn't always have to be right. She never took credit for my ideas. She always made sure that I got credit for them. And it just made me want to go do more things and do more yep. things better, and which I did. A great leader is going to take the blame but share the credit. Because when something goes south, mm -hmm. you don't want to be pointing fingers and saying this is all somebody else's fault. Um, bosses are going to always look to blame their employees for mistakes while taking credit for anything that looks good. Leaders, on the other hand, do the exact opposite. They are there with the blame when things go wrong, but they are not afraid to let their team shine and take the credit where credit is due. And there's a couple things on that that I saw. One, I saw this great phrase. It was, pull the thumb before pointing the finger. So pull the thumb to you. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. on me. And if you're a sports fan, the head coaches do it the right way. If the team plays horrible, Coach says, you know what, I we the coaching staff didn't get them prepared. There are a couple things we should have done we didn't. That's what he or she says at the post-game press conference. Then in the locker room, you break it down with the individual players. You never you never you should never show somebody up. That's disrespectful to them. Even if they made a horrible mistake, you should never do that. 
Now, I'm going to tell my favorite story of my first boss. And for those of you listening, if you have a favorite boss you've not talked to in a while, we ask you one thing. Just reach out to them and say thanks. Shoot them a note. Call them. Facebook. Mine was at the University of Tennessee where I went to school. And this was my sophomore year. I started working in the women's sports information department. Basically, we did the PR for the the women's teams. My boss, Debbie Jennings, who is just um, awesome. What I learned from her is not the what, but the why. It's easy to say, hey, go do this. And I walk over there and I'm looking around, but she always explained the whys. And she would jump in, do things with me, little things from mammographing uh, releases. If you know what a mammograph machine was, and for you young kids, you probably don't. I don't. Because you just print them out. Now, the mammograph machine was you had to type the release on a stencil and you wrap the stencil around the drum and then you just turn the damn drum and you that's how you got multiple copies of something so we would do different color paper for each sport okay. so blue was one sport yellow was another and we just did it that way but that's what you had to do but just explaining from not only writing a release to working with a team, working with a head coach, getting to know them. So when you travel with them, which I did, they would have the confidence in you to say, hey, Mike, you know, and tell you stuff that you know you're not going to report to the media when they ask you a question. But she would always do the whys. And I knew I was good the first time I messed up. And she's, Michael, come here. I'm like, oh, anytime I heard Michael other than from my mother, it's like, okay, that can't be good. And she sat me down. She just walked me through it. The voice level didn't change. The wording didn't change. Said, okay, next next time you do this, start it this way. And here's why. And she's, yeah. And I've had some really good bosses. But that first one that teaches you and gives you the confidence to go, you know what? I, not only can I take on this job, but I think I'm growing up. I can take on the world. So if you have a favorite boss or a first boss, please reach out to them and say hi. Aw. Yep. Love our bosses. Oh, yeah. Um, bosses praise more than they criticize. This is not your rah-rah, shishkumba type of praise either, because there is some praise that can come across as very inauthentic and fake, and you do not want to be the person that is praising just for the sake of praising. Mm. Really be thoughtful about what you are praising your employees for. If you've noticed that somebody is really meticulous in the work that they do, or they're incredibly thoughtful to their coworkers or whatever it is, praise them on things that are very specific because those are going to be the characteristics that they then um, duplicate and that they that's going to actually help them to do more of that thing that you're praising. If you do need to um, admonish them, then do that not in public. Never, ever. It, it serves it, no purpose. It doesn't do anything good for the company. It no. doesn't do anything good for morale. And it just makes you look like the bad guy. It does. If you feel like you have to dress somebody down in public to show how in charge and how right you are, that's a you issue and you got a problem. There's no reason if an employee messes up that anybody else needs to know about that. You go in, close the door. I'd have employees come in all the time in the office and like, is everything okay? I said, well, the door's open, right? They're like, yeah, I said, we're good. If I ever need to say anything to somebody, we'd close the door. Nobody would ever hear about it, but it does no good to dress somebody down in public. Serves no purpose. Mm -hmm. I also think back to 
a couple of bad bosses that I've had um, who always thought that their opinion was right. I have been a bad boss. I have been in the seat where I've thought that my opinion was the only one that mattered. But after reading a ton of books and going to a ton of seminars and really figuring out what separates a good boss from a bad boss, what turns a good boss into a great leader is that leaders don't shy away from seeking advice of those that report to them. They are not afraid to ask their employees or their teammates to come up with suggestions and ideas of their own. And that is just paramount in being a great leader and be becoming a great leader. Sometimes those things are not our first inclination because as humans, we do want credit for the things that we do. And that's just human nature is to want to take credit. So it's, it's really a skill that you might not possess, but that can be learned to go to your team, ask for their opinions. And really what you're going to find is that your team is a lot smarter than we usually give them credit for. If you think back to you as the 24-year-old right out of college, a couple years out, and the VP said, Trinity, so what do you think about this logo? And you're like, oh, hang on a sec. All right, so the VP just asked me, A, I'm feeling happy that they asked me, but terrified that they asked me in front of everybody else. But they asked you, and then you gave an answer with a reason to defend, you know what, this, I think if this were a little bit more over here or this image, not quite as big. And then the person working on the logo were to manipulate it right there and change that. And the boss goes, you know what? Wonderful idea. That does make it look better, man. You're on cloud nine, aren't you? Yeah. But imagine, but what, if you stop for a minute, what that did for you right there as a developing adult in that, in the working world, priceless. Yeah. Priceless. There is something to be said for empowering your employees to be able to think for themselves and knowing that you're not the one that has all of the answers, which can be very humbling. Right. We've all, and we've all been there. Yes. And I also think taking credit, asking for opinions when you're in a meeting and here's one of the quick ways you can tell who's a good boss. So we're in a meeting and uh, Drago, we'll make Drago the senior vice president. And I'm the director. Trinity works for me. <laughs> and Drago says, Mike, great job on that project. And I say, thanks. We worked hard. What I should have said when he goes, Mike, great work on the project. I said, thanks, Drago. Trinity came up with that idea and she flushed it out for everybody and the team put it together. Then you know you have a good boss when they are confident enough to give one of their employees credit, knowing full well, if I gave Trinity credit right there in a meeting, Drago's not going to go, you know what, Mike, you're right. Trinity is good. I'm firing you and promoting Trinity to your position. Chances are that's not going to happen. But for me to, in the meeting with her peers and her boss and my boss, and I said, Trinity, it was Trinity's idea. She ran with it and the team put the final pieces together. Now, not only acknowledges her and empowers her, but everybody else is thinking, okay, so if I do something good, he's going to let people know that was my idea. Huge. Great leaders are able to keep everybody on track for the big picture, but also not lose sight of the little details because the little details are often what holds everything together. Mm -hmm. And if you start letting the little details slip, 
that is when things start sliding sideways. And then you wind up what could have been just a small fire turns into a giant forest fire. So when, when I was running the AMF bowling center over in Durham, when I moved back here, Larry was our regional VP. He's like, Mike, we're talking about things. And he was spot on when he said it. I like when people can succinctly tell me what I need to do. I don't need a 20 minute presentation. He goes, Mike, you need to inspect what you expect. It's like, perfect. That I can remember everywhere I go. I can remember that phrase. Mm-hmm. And it's right. You just, if you expect somebody, if Trinity expects me to do something, she should check in and inspect it. We've talked about this before. Delegation Del- by, by education. education. Yeah. You just say, Mike, go do that. And you never follow up. Yeah. That's, and you get that's what you a get. recipe for a disaster. Yeah, you get what you get. If you had to, s- to tell us, Mike, the number one quality that you look for in a leader, what would you say that it is? I need by example. And then the B part of that is I know you give, I I need to know you give a crap about me getting better, but leading by example is the number one thing. When I was working for the cartoon network in Atlanta, and this would have been 97, 98. And we were on the, we were in NASCAR. We were on the 29 car and I was handling the PR for that. We came down to Daytona Beach before the, I think it was the 1998 Daytona 500. And we had Jeff Green, who was our driver, and most people had not heard of Jeff, unless you were truly a NASCAR fan. And we're in the Volusia County Mall on a Friday night after the mall closed. And for the 29 car that ran next to nothing, we were like 30th in the standings. And we had a driver, good guy, nice driver, but we weren't going to win anything with him. And we're in the mall and we have 400 people because we had costume characters. So the NASCAR fans brought their kids. So we get everything set up and it's a wonderful event. And it turns out one of my son's friends to this day was there. And we didn't know that because we eventually moved to Daytona like a year and a half after. And we're talking to the family, Kessler family one day. They're like, wait, that was you? Because Travis was in the, it was Tom and Jerry and Tom and Travis was Tom. And Nick, his friend, was there. They're like, wait, I was there. That was you. So it's funny how that worked out. But at the end of the event, we had to clean everything out, roll the car back into the hauler, picked up all the boxes, clean everything. And the boss in charge of the event, I asked him to, hey, can you get those two boxes for us? Because I had a bunch, Patty had a bunch, and a couple of, even Becky had a box. And he said, nah, I don't do that. Oh, I'm like, those are the worst words I can ever hear. And I've not thought anything of him since that moment. I worked with him for about another year or so. And he has a, he has a nice job right now, uh, in the racing world, but he said, not my job. And I'm like, U S O B. Yeah. So leave, I'm going to follow you. If I know you're in, if you're going to do it, I'll follow you. But if you're just going to sit there and point around and tell me stuff, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to want to hang around for too much longer. How about you? I think that a great leader is someone that is not a micromanager. And what I mean by that is um, people come to conclusions, work through projects in different ways. And this goes back to, you know, it's not my way or the highway. Somebody might be able to do their job and get to the same result but they might do it a little bit differently than the boss would have done it. And I'm all for systems and processes, but if someone comes up with a better system or process, heck yeah. 
if they find a way to do something and do it faster and better than I could have figured out how to do it, by all means, that is absolutely amazing. There's been times when I'll find myself doing something and I think, and then somebody else comes along behind me and they do it in like 10 seconds, something that's been taking me like five minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? How, how have I missed that the entire time? Like that just makes no sense. But sometimes a different viewpoint or a different set of eyes is what's going to help you unlock this magic that helps everyone become better. So I think a great boss, a great leader, um, tell people what needs to be done, but they don't micromanage how it's going to get done. Um, they ask for really frequent updates. Mm -hmm. So that way they're aware of what's happening, what progress is going on. Um, leaders give a very clear, um, explanation of what's expected. So setting really clear expectations is absolutely the key piece to making sure that something gets done right. If you are micromanaging them, I have one, if you're the, that boss that micromanages everybody and everything, I have one question for you. Why did you hire me? Right. If you're going to look over my shoulder, tell me, no, no, put blue there. No, no, write down seven there. Why'd you hire me? Why don't you do it yourself? Yeah. And micromanagers, they don't make anyone happy. If you have to micromanage an employee, that's an entire different topic for a podcast because you should not have to micromanage the right employee. You should just no. be able to lead them and they should be able to go out there, do their job, do it well and deliver the results that you're expecting. And if you have to, if Trinity has to micromanage me, then how is she going to keep her eyes on the vision of her company that she hired me to work for? If she's spending four hours a day looking over my shoulder, that's four hours a day she's not given to grow in her company. Yep. And I just, I don't, I don't get that. You can help and you can manage and inspect. And then in theory, if you're, if you hired the right employee and you train them, train them correctly, you have to spend less and less time with them because you train them right. They know back to your word about expectations. They know what you want. So your staff there was when you were on the cruise, your staff held everything together. They did. Because they knew what you expected. You, They knew this was the way we do it. And you'd spent enough time with them to get them to understand them, to understand that and train them that way. The other key component to somebody that's an amazing leader that separates a, a good leader from just being a boss is humility because a great leader is confident but not arrogant. And that is so important because I can think back to people that I've worked with that were just huge dicks. And I would, I actually left a job, a sales job in tears and hated going in there because the manager was, he was just, he had short man syndrome or something. I don't know. But he was a boss through and through micromanaged, told me when I had to be at my desk, told me when I needed to leave my desk. And being in a sales role, I'm all about results. Mm -hmm. So if I can get the results and not have to be at my desk from seven to seven, you should applaud that in my mind, not tell me that I have to sit here just because that's yep. the way that you want it done. So great leaders are confident, not arrogant. Be humble, sit down. Most of the successful people walking this earth surround themselves with people they can learn from. 
You can go to Warren Buffett. You can go to Tom Brady and LeBron in the sports world. You could probably go in the acting world, they the cooking world, anything like that. And the ones who truly, not famous or not good, but truly successful, surround themselves with people they can learn from. Because if you're not learning anymore, you're done. Yeah, I never want to be the smartest person in oh, the room. Oh, God, no. You're in the wrong room. Yep. One of my favorite is... We've all had those moments or days that have just gone south in a hurry. What I learned from a couple of good bosses, uh, when I was at Turner Sports, Greg Hughes was, I was doing PR for Turner Sports in Atlanta, and Greg Hughes was the PR manager there. And so there were a couple times where some information, things went wrong. And when I was in Daytona, Glenn Johnston, my boss, I was in charge of the pre-race events for and promoting for the 500, the Coca-Cola 400, all those events. I've always liked, and I've learned to apply this, is solve the problem right there and then sit down and figure out how it happened. Don't, well, don't, you know, you, you don't walk up to me and go, Mike, how did this happen? No, 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 let's clean it up, fix it, put it back together, get everybody on their merry way, and then sit down and go, oh, yeah, this this particular thing we used was the wrong thing to use. Because it may not have been human error. It may have just been whoever. Sometimes shit just hits the fan. It does. But it does no good to dissect what happened right there. You fix it and move everything on and then go back and figure out in private, okay, how did we get here? What happened? And then if you need to have further conversations, do that. But I've had those two come to mind uh, specifically went with stuff going on that they were calm and cool about it. And then we resolved the problem. We figured it out afterwards, but we solved it right there. And so everybody could move on and keep doing their job, especially when you had events going on. You need to keep the events moving. You've got a time schedule to stick on. And you got to keep people moving. The other thing that I think you're really hitting on there is that a great leader can take something that is just going to shit and then take all of that overwhelming confusion and make something great happen Mm -hmm. from it. And it uplifts the entire team versus the person that just freaks out. And I think we've all worked with that person that just cannot handle the stress. Yes. And it's not a great leadership quality. And this goes back to the customer service world. And I'm a big customer service fan. I'm actually pretty good at it. What makes me pretty good at it is I'm willing to walk into the lion's den. Mm -hmm. When people are upset, if you're not confident enough to go try to solve the problem, you're not walking in to say, hey, all you people are wrong or point fingers. Again, you go in and solve the problem, but you get a great amount of respect from people if you walk into the middle of all that and try to solve the problem. Yeah. But the customer service part of it is handling a situation and being confident enough to do it and realizing sometimes you take an ass whooping from the customer or customers, but if you're confident enough to stand up there and acknowledge what they're mad about, you're going to get some points from them. They may still be mad, but they'll appreciate you standing there talking to them. It, uh, what was the line? Was it, it wasn't chaos builds character. It exposes character. 
I forget how they started that, but it yeah. really does. That's so true. Back to your point, it you know in a heartbeat who wants no part of if you were what could go wrong at a showing for a house. So you much. and three of your teammates are in, of your team are there, and what a pipe could burst. A, well, I mean, what could happen? The lockbox might not function. Something Perfect. You can't, you okay, can't let's get start into with the that. house. Okay, yeah. so let's start with that. So you have a team member that is supposed to get there first, get everything set up, and the locks the lockbox is not cooperating for whatever reason. It could be them. You guys could have been given the wrong code. It could be the wrong lockbox. Yep. And they just crumble. It's like, no, no, no. We got we need to have a conversation. You I need to take a deep breath. Let's talk through this. You have to. But you learn a lot when when things go south, you really learn who is a good problem solver and who's calm. And I go back to fighter pilots and hockey goalies. Man, they got all totally unrelated, but there's always stuff going on with them. And the calm ones, the cool ones, are like they see stuff. It's like, you know, they'll panic later, maybe. A lot of them don't. But to be in those situations and watch somebody whose voice doesn't change, they keep asking questions, they acknowledge stuff, and they move forward with it instead of pointing fingers or raising hell or just losing it. But I've seen enough of those situations where you, <laughs> they want nothing to do with it. I mean, you know you're going to get... You're going to take a beating walking into wherever the lion's den yeah. is. Just go do it because you got to solve you the are. problem. And and having been put into a lot of leadership positions throughout my entire life, that's just been, you know, I was told I was bossy when I was little, and I get paid <laughs> well to be bossy now. But being bossy as a girl, um, it took a lot to really overcome the politicking and picking favorites mm. And learning how to be a good manager versus when I was first starting out and managing other people, I was really bad at it. Really yes, bad. Yes, because you had no schooling for no it whatsoever. No schooling. I was terrible. I was bossy. I, you know, I probably broke every single one of these um, good habits. So now looking back. Let's write a letter back to young Trinity. To young what would Trinity. You write? I would, would say, dear young Trinity, take that <laughs> leadership because I am really good at triage. Yes. If I wasn't so like fickle about blood and guts and vomit and stuff, I would have made a great triage nurse because I can really dig in there and problem solve quickly and come up with good, quick solutions. But being a good leader takes so much more than that because there's going to be people during that triage that do things that you don't like. Mm. And you're going to have employees and people who work for you that you might not mesh with the best. Yes. And the difference between a boss and a leader is that bosses might bear a personal grudge. They might mm-hmm. um, play politics and play favorites. They might treat somebody unjustly for no reason. A leader, on the other hand, is going to act based on rational thought. They're not going to allow their emotions to cloud their judgment. And looking back to my former self, I was very bad at that. I would let my emotions run rampant and... Um, that was something that I had to learn and that I had to overcome because it is really hard when you're um, like I have a high intellectual, you know, high Mm -hmm. EQ and 
it was, that was something that I had to really, you know, learn to tame and not take things so personally or, or do things that were coming from such an emotional place. A lot of times we're put into these management situations and we're training people on what we already know how to do, which is why in sports, you rarely see the ultimate athlete be a coach. Cause like I can make that shot a hundred times. Why can't you make it seven? So we're trying to teach somebody what we already know how to do. We're like, what do you, I don't, why can't you do that? But it took you a year or me a year to do that. And somebody had to train you to do that. So if you look at, all right, I got to forget that I know exactly how to do this and I have to teach them because somebody taught me, but yes, it's very frustrating. Yes. We were all bad because we just thought, what do you mean you don't know this? <laughs> so we, if you had to wrap it up here on two things for somebody that's just new in a management role, a year or less in a management role, two things, what would you tell them to do? Going back to my word of the day and word conflict. of our last pot, conflict. Um, a great leader is someone who is not going to avoid conflict. They are going to embrace conflict and they are going to set precedents with their team on how they're going to manage that. So many things can be sidestepped if you just have a conversation about it before it happens. Yep. So you know that conflict's gonna arise within a team environment if you're managing five or six people and sit down with them and say, hey, let's talk about as a team how we're gonna handle this when this conflict arises. That way you're giving them the tools to actually be able to handle something once it happens. Say, you know, a triage nurse is not gonna just run into the ER not knowing how to tie a tourniquet. Yeah. You need to give them the tools so that way when shit does hit the fan, they are actually prepared for what they need to do. And I think that makes um, a really great leader versus just a boss who yep. is going to um, discipline or come in after the thing has happened. And here's my one. Don't ever say to your employees, hey, my door is always open because then you're forcing them to come see you. You go walk through their door. Hey, Trinity, how's your day going? Tell me, I know you're working on the Simpson project. How's that going? You go to them and then they'll, that will tell them you're involved in their growth and development. People are not going to walk in the boss's office. A 25 year old is not going to walk into an executive vice president's office. They're just not. So don't say your office is always open because it's not. That's a, that's not an entire truth. You go into their office and sit with them, and they're going to respect you even more. I think that's great advice. We both, Coach Mike. There you go. We both have been bosses, both good and bad, and you learn along the way. It's okay to learn, but just a little self-awareness on what you're telling them and just be gentle with them. So we ask you to rate, review, and subscribe on our podcast. Go to our website and check out our event on Friday, March 13th from 10 to 12, our 2020 vision. We'll teach you all kinds of things, and we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.